Well, it is great to be able to be back together with you tonight, and I hope that your day has been restful. I hope your day has been filled with introspection. I hope your day has included some service and some thinking of others in it. What I want us to bring our minds to tonight is it's something that this sermon pops in my head every year at about this time, I think for obvious reasons. Don't even know where it originated. I don't know where these points came from. I guess I'll take credit for them. Uh, that's, how, that's how that works, isn't it, right? If you, you just kind of make it your own. Um, I, I'm sure that I don't think these things probably came from me. Uh, but, but I think that they're helpful nonetheless as we think about uh, the gift-giving time of year. And everybody, have you finished your Christmas shopping? Has your wife finished your Christmas shopping? Is that, is that a, better, a better way to put that? Right, and you're you're thinking about we we we're going to get this person this and that person that, and and maybe even some of you you have some you have some hopes and some dreams and tuckers or something you're really hoping that that you get for Christmas, probably so. I hope, I hope your parents know what it is. I don't know, uh, but but I, I can definitely remember th- those moments, and especially when my children were young, of you know that they were really hoping that these things would come about. It's easy. It's easy to lose focus. It's easy to get so wrapped up in the stuff and in the material parts and on what we're going to receive. What I want us to do tonight is to reflect upon the words of Jesus. The words of Jesus from Acts chapter 20 and verse 35, you you know this. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, I don't know when Jesus said that. It's one of those quotations that we don't have in the Gospels, um, which ought to tell you that we don't have everything that Jesus ever said or did in the Gospels, because this is one of them. But, but the fact that he said it, I mean, it wouldn't be all that surprising, would it? As we live in a materialistic world, this is something that there are constantly opportunities and needs for us to be reminded of. It is more blessed to give and to receive. Paul said this as he met with the Ephesian elders. He was talking about their relationship. He'd be giving them this admonition to shepherd the flock and to watch out for the brethren there in the church at Ephesus. And he talks a little bit about the relationship that he had with the church at Ephesus. And, and in many ways, as he talks about his relationship with the church, he was very clear that his desire was not for that relationship to be one where he was constantly receiving. But his goal had been for his relationship to be one that he was constantly giving to the church, sacrificing for the church. I think that's a pretty good model for preachers, but I think that's a pretty good model for all of us to be able to say that my goal, what I want, is not what the church can give me, but what I can sacrifice for the church. It's within that context that Paul is saying, I've labored among you in every way. I've shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. Well, he did that by supporting the weak. And you remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Let me challenge you throughout this next week and really not just throughout this next week, but maybe to use this as a launching point for the rest of the year 
the rest of next year, the rest of your life, to go about with this attitude that says, I am here to serve and not to be served. I am here to give and not receive. And of course, if Paul's life exemplified that, how much more so did the life of Jesus exemplify that? And I'm thinking about passages like Philippians chapter 2 and, and, and text such as that. How can we give? You know, there, sometimes we think about what we're not able to give. Don't you wish you were able to give more sometimes? Don't you ever see a good project and you think, man, if it was just up to me, I'd just, I'd just write a check for it. You need a million dollars? Here's a million dollars. You need ten million dollars? Here's ten million. Don't you wish that you could do that? But I, I know you, you can't do it. I, I can't either. But sometimes we think about that and we say, well, well, because I don't have all of this surplus, I'm not able to give. That's not true. That's not true at all. Whether you have a lot or whether you have a little, and we have both and everything in the middle represented in the body of Christ here, whether you have a lot or you have a little, everyone has the opportunity to give. And many times those things won't cost you a dime. I love this first one. Anybody can, can do this. Whether you're a smallest child in this room or you're the oldest adult, to be able to give a sincere compliment. I don't know about you, but, but I, 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 I like to think I don't, but I know I, I thrive on praise. I run on praise sometimes. Sometimes you get, your, you get kind of running low on it, right? I, I mean, you, you, could, you could sure use a, a, an attaboy t- type of thing. Well, I'm not alone in that. You're not alone in that. That's how people operate. You have it within your power to give someone what they need. Proverbs says in Proverbs 3 and verse 27, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in the power of your hand to do so. There's many different ways that I can't give people what they need. But I have the ability to speak words. I have the ability to write letters. I have the ability to give and to acknowledge good that is being done. Everybody in here has that ability. Laney, you got that ability, right? I know you'd like to get your dad a new truck for Christmas. You can't do that. But you would if you could, wouldn't you? Yeah, I, I know you would. I know your heart. The, uh, but, but you have it within you to give him something a whole lot better than a truck. You just tell him how you feel about him. You just thank him for being your daddy. And I'm telling you, he would beam bigger, bigger with that than he would with any physical possession. Right? Every, every father in here understands that? So we talk about our youngest children who, ha- who had that ability, but, but you, think about those, you think about those of you who may be older and you think about speaking to your own children. How, how many of your children are desperate to know that you are pleased with them? Don't you want to know that? I, I've spent a lot, of my, a lot of my life wanting to know that I have my parents' approval. Even when I've told them I really didn't care, I was going to do what I wanted to do, I wanted their approval. I wanted to know they were proud of me. Isn't that something? To know that your mother, to know that your father, your, that, that your family, that they're proud of you? You can give that to your children. I'm not talking about making things up. I'm talking about things that are within your power. That's what Jesus did. 
That's what Jesus did. You, you, remember, you remember in, Mark, in Matthew chapter 8? Jesus says, he got all the people together. This is the, this is the context of the centurion and, and the great faith that, that, that he had. It, wasn't it awesome? He comes to Jesus and he's needing something. And, and, and he says, listen, you don't even have to come. I, I know that you have authority. And when you say that, that this is going to happen, it'll happen. And Jesus heals, heals the, the, this, this centurion servant. But then, then he does something he doesn't have to do. Like it could have been the end of the story that this guy did this, had this great faith and, and his servant was healed and that's a wonderful thing. But Jesus says, okay, now let's stop here. I want to take a moment to praise this man. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and he said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Can you imagine what it would have been like to have the Son of God single you out jesus singled some people out what it cost him it didn't cost him a thing he was just acknowledging the truth that was there and somebody says well well you shouldn't have to do that or 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 they should have had faith or they should uh, it, it's not about it's simply about just sometimes doing acknowledging that people are living the life that they ought to be living that people are helping that people are striving he paul complimented when he when he spoke to Timothy. And he says, I call to remembrance the genuine faith which is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded it's in you. See, the, the relationships between Jesus and his disciples, between Paul and the church, they're not these cold interactions. They're very personal relationships. Every one of us has the ability to give a sincere compliment. So here's my challenge for us, okay, young, old. I want you to look and I want you to think of someone that you think is doing something above and beyond. You know people like that? In the church, in your family, in your workplace. This doesn't even have to be religious of nature. Maybe it's your mailman, I don't know. And express it. Express it. Yeah, they don't have to be going above and beyond. Maybe just someone who's doing what they're supposed to do. Truly, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You don't have to give them a million dollars or a brand new car. Just express the fact that you appreciate them and who they are and what they do. Hey, if you want to be real fancy about it, write it on a piece of paper. Right? We got, we got free cards out, out, out in the foyer. I'll even supply the card. That's powerful. How, how, I won't ask for a show of hands. I was, I was going to ask how many of you would like to receive such a gift. But I already know the answer to that. We would all like to receive a gift like that. <laughs> that power of a, of a sincere compliment. The power of a... I forgot I had PowerPoint. The power of a golden deed. So often we treat people the way that the way that they treat us. Jesus calls us to live by what we call the golden rule. That whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and this is the prophets. To learn to put ourselves in other people's shoes. This takes time. It takes a great deal of empathy, but it's powerful. It's powerful. When, when, when we begin to say, okay, if I was that person, how would I want them to treat me? What would I want them to do? 
Whatever you want men to do to you, do also for them. How would you like people to speak to you? How would you like people to interact? How would you, I mean, whatever. Do you ever find yourself sitting around and saying, I wish somebody would have those conversations? Maybe about the church, maybe in your family, maybe in your workplace. Of course, we all have those conversations. Okay, so that shows me, and not to show us, that we know what we wish other people would do towards us. We know what that is. So instead of, instead of just sitting back and saying, man, I sure wish they would do this. I wish they would too, but I don't control them. What I can do is what I want them to do. So if I'm wishing that someone would speak, man, I sure wish somebody would speak to me. Okay, go speak. Go speak to them. Boy, I, I sure wish, I wish somebody would invite me. No, I do too, but I don't, I don't know if they will or not, but I can invite them. I, 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 sure, wish, I sure wish someone would, would serve. I, I wish someone would go out of their way and, and, you know, let me sit here for a moment. I do too, but I don't control that. But I can get up and serve them. Simple things, they don't cost anything, but they're a great gift. We all know people that treat us that way, and we love them and we cherish them. Once again, once again, this is, this is where Jesus lived his life. That We, we read examples like in, in Acts chapter 9 about a woman named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. Why don't we have more good works and charitable deeds in the world? We know the answer to that. It's just because we're busy focusing on ourselves. Good, good works and charitable deeds come out of thinking about others, not ourselves. That's where they come from. So when we stop and we say, okay, what, what do I wish they would do? How do I wish they would treat me and go treat them the same? Now, I say it's easy. It's probably simple might be the, the best way to put that. It's not always easy to do any of these things. But that's very much within our power. So then Paul would say in Galatians 6, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all men, especially to those who have the household of faith. So start that in this room. Start that with your brethren. That's the power that is within each one of us. The power to give a sincere compliment the power to share a golden deed. Here's a good one. This is a rare one, too. A listening ear. I'm convinced that there are a great number of people in this world that they don't, they don't need another box of candy. Uh, they, don't, they don't need a check that's been written. They just need to know that someone cares enough to listen. I think you know some people like that. James says in James 1 and verse 19, he says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Sometimes it's being willing to listen to other people, even when we have 10,000 things going on in our lives and in our brain. Isn't that special? Anybody ever struggle to listen? I have to make myself listen sometimes. It's not because I don't care. I'm just busy. I'm just busy. And I get 15 things going on in my mind, and I'm trying to pay attention to, you, to what you got going on and you got going on, and, and, and it's, uh-huh, uh-huh, I'm moving on, moving on, moving on. It happens. So I have to purposefully at times 
say, okay, there's 10,000 things going on, but Miss Ish, right now, you are my priority. And when I do that, you notice. I always think about uh, one of our church secretaries. I've told you this story before, but it just rings in my mind. Uh, she would get tickled if she knew I was telling this, but her name was Miss Ann Strickland. And Miss Ann was always going on about something, okay? And, and I was just like I am now. I was going here and there and, you know, going, going down the checklist. Um, Jerry, Donna, you guys have seen me do 15 things in my head and not articulate any of them well. But, but we were going, we'd be going along and she'd be talking to me. And all of a sudden she'd stop. And she'd just stare at me. Wes. Wes. She's sitting in her chair. I'm down here. Look at me when I'm talking to you. Like almost like it was my mom, right? It's <laughs> like I was a small child. But all she was doing was, she was saying, give me your attention for just a second. And I remember, okay, all right. Put everything out. I'm right here. All she wanted was like a minute. I can give a minute. I can give five minutes. I can give ten minutes. I'm not quite as busy as I think I am, but I have to, I have to remind myself of that from time to time. It'll cost you a thing. People, people don't want solutions. Fellas, oh, you know, this is true, what, what, what your wives tell you, right? They, they, they don't want you to fix it. What do they want you to do? Just listen. Yeah, but I want to fix it. They don't want you to fix it. The truth is, you're probably, they're probably talking about stuff they're in a fix too. I'm telling you, people, people's lives, mine included, they're in, I mean, they're, aren't, aren't, there aren't always fixes. But I can listen. I can, I can, I can empathize. I can sympathize. And I'm just going to tell you, what a great gift. You want to do something for somebody this week? Just call up someone that you think might be alone. Just talk to them. Ask them about their life. Ask them about what's going on in their, in their home and in their family. And I mean, because there's a lot of people that that's greater than any gift you could give to them. Let me give you one more. I told my son I'd be a short sermon. My daughter said I preached a long time this morning. Used up my time, probably did. I'm going to get one more, and then we're going we're to close, close this up. A cheerful disposition. Isn't it good to be around someone who's in a good mood? Now, the flip side of this is somebody who's in a rotten mood. Y'all ever been around somebody in a rotten mood? Anybody? Yeah, that stinks, Right? I mean, I, mean, I, got, I got husbands and wives that are going like that in the, in the room. <laughs> it's like, yeah, everybody knows what that's like. Well, flip that. I, I don't want to be a grump. You don't want to be a grump. Nobody wants to be around a grump. That's the technical definition for what we all know exists, right? And which we all fulfill at times. I want to be a cheerful person. Proverbs talks a lot about this, but let me give you two Proverbs. Proverbs 15 and verse 13. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but the sorrow of the heart is the spirit of the broken. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. When people can smile, it's infectious. I don't know about you, but I like, I like to be around people that are happy. I do not like to be around people that are cynical. Because here's what happens. When other people are cynical, I get cynical. But when someone is positive and upbeat, you know what I have to have a tendency to do? I have a tendency to be positive and upbeat. This kind of makes your day better, right? That's what I love about Miss Doris. Miss Doris is always happy about something, right? 
Like if, you, if, you, if you're hanging out with Miss Doris and you're not, you can't find something to smile about, you're probably not listening. Darlene, is that right? I mean, that, that, that's, that's what she brings to the table. What a, what a great thing to have in a friend and in a sister. I want to be that for people. Proverbs 17 and verse 22, A merry heart does good like a medicine, and a broken spirit dries the bones. I'm not going to focus on drying the bones. I'm talking about the medicine. The medicine is a merry heart. Sometimes, sometimes when life is difficult, isn't it powerful just to go and spend time with other people? Isn't that a powerful thing? A lot of you have been at Christmas parties and, and you've gone out in the evenings and things of that nature. And what, what have you done? I don't know. We just spent, you just spend time with, with, with people that are happy to be there and they're happy that you're there. And all of a sudden, what happens to you? You feel better. One of the things that happens when people get depressed is they get isolated. They pull themselves away from everybody else. That's depressing. And what they need, as much as anything, is to be around other people, but not just any kind of people. Right? You're not going to come out of your depression by going and hanging out with the most depressed person in the world. You're going to come out by going and hanging out and being with someone who has a merry heart. That's medicine. Can we, can we give that to each other? One of my goals when I think about when, when people come, in, come into the church building, I want you to know people are glad that you're here. I, I, want, I want you to know that, that, man, the Lord's glad that you're here. And, and I'm glad that we're here together. And, yeah, I know there's a lot of difficult things in my life and your life, too, but I think we can find something to smile about. See, if we do that, then we'll be able to cry together later on. We'll be able to live our life together. But just to know that that merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. I don't know. Maybe these things will help. I'm, I'm, not, saying that, I'm not saying that you should tell your kids that Christmas is canceled and you're taking back all their gifts. Um, they would hate the preacher from here on out if that was the case. But I am saying there's a lot of things, there's a lot of things we can give. I don't have anything to do with money. And the truth is they're worth a lot more than money. A sincere compliment, a golden deed, a listening ear, a cheerful disposition. That list just never gets old to me. Maybe you could add to it. I'd like to, I'd like to add to that list. At the core of all of these things, at the core of all of these things is our faith. That, that's really the, the, the case. Why, why would I do these things? Why, why, would, why would I go out of my way to compliment someone else? I don't want to compliment someone else. Why would I do a golden deed? Why, why would I treat people the way that I want to be treated when they're treating me so badly? Why, why would I take time to listen to somebody else's problems? Why, why would I focus on the good instead of the bad? Because of Jesus? Because of my faith? Because of that relationship that we have in Christ? I always think about what Paul says there in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He's talking about the offering there, right? He's talking, really is talking about money here. But he says this real interesting thing about why, about why the brethren in Macedonia were giving the way that they were. It wasn't because they had a bunch of extra money laying around. They gave not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. Give yourself to the Lord. See yourself as a vessel of His. And then you'll give yourself away in service, in service of the Lord, but the Lord is in the service of others. So, so in the service of others... Give yourself to the Lord. 
you know, I hope you find some tangible way that, that you can demonstrate that throughout this week. Maybe you can find some way to demonstrate that even tonight. I'd ask you to come. I'd ask you to respond to the invitation because you respond to the Lord. And when you respond to the Lord, it takes you farther, farther than a statement, doesn't it? It impacts every single corner of your life right down to the conversation that you'll have walking down the aisle on the way out. And then forth from there. Friends, if you have a need tonight, give yourself to the Lord as so many have, in the, as so many have before you and be a light in this world of darkness. You come tonight as we stand and as we sing.